Welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast. Today we're talking about Futurama's return, but without one specific character. Seth Rogen and Jimmy Kimmel have some thoughts about the Academy Awards. Plus, we got a bunch of trailers to talk about from this past week. All this and everything else that happened this week in Geek. Hello, I'm J-Law, but you can call me Justin. And if you're joining us for the first time, well, we are Geekcentric, a podcast covering the world of movies, TV shows, toys, collectibles, gaming, and all things Geekcentric. Joining me for this super size Super Bowl episode, they're the offensive linemen of my team, Kevin Hudson and Nate Shelton. How are you, boys? Are you saying we're offensive? Wait, <laughs> well, defense? well I, I don't really know football <laughs> terms, but offensive line I thought was like kind of like the protectors, or is that defensive? Would that be Kevin, defensive, that be defensive it, line? Yeah. Well, it depends. Oh, okay. See, they both they're, they're all just a bunch of big, overweight dudes who uh, throw their bodies around. So <laughs> you nailed oh, it. Well. You nailed it. Oh. That's exactly what we are. Well, see, I don't know much about football, but like you know, out of the three of us, Kev, you actually probably watched the game. Uh, what, what did you What did you think? Uh, they They were the two least interesting teams, I thought, coming out of the uh, the second last week, and so. You know, once once Tom Brady got eliminated, and then once the Bills in heartbreaking fashion got eliminated, I didn't really have a a team that I was rooting for. But uh, the team I went for, uh, the the Rams, they won, and it was a, a pretty exciting game, regardless. So yeah, oh, so you put the money on the right pony then. There, I'm uh, I'm uh, two in a row, two years in a row. I've I've done well guessing the winner. Justin, pony, it's a goats. I think Rams are goats, not ponies. <laughs> oh, you don't right, know animals, true. dude. You don't know sports. <laughs> you don't know animals. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Well, you know what I do know is that it had a wicked halftime show. Um, yes. I, I absolutely enjoyed the halftime show. It just felt like a, a trip down memory lane. Uh, even today, I was listening to, you know, classic Dre and Snoop. 50 Cent looked like he was having some problems. Uh, he was having some that. trouble. He was having some trouble <laughs> hanging upside down. Well, you see all the blood rushing a bit more head. like a buck 50, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. He's he's getting, you know, obviously all of them are uh, a, a little bit on the older side, but I thought it was just so, I think my favorite thing about the performance, there was some stuff I didn't like about the entire halftime show. Uh, I think, you know, if you were in the stands, you didn't really get to enjoy it that much unless you were looking up at the big screen, seeing what everyone on TV was seeing. And I get that. Like, it's going to, it would be really tough for them to make something that would be enjoyable by both parties just as much. But um, I got to say, the the idea to sort of put a lot of the performances inside of those boxes did feel a little bit a little bit weird. I didn't I didn't quite understand some of the reasoning behind that. I thought it was cool. It was like an old school '90s house party. Is exactly. that what they were going for? Yeah. Okay. I liked how it was like different spaces. They, I enjoyed what they were trying to do and like how he was at the top in like a DJ booth. How they did some some things right. Hey, Kevin, were you dancing when uh, when Eminem showed up? Because oh, I remember I was, those days when I he used to dance along, to Eminem. Man. Absolutely. I like, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I do want to just shout out though. Like I think there's a really cool moment and you can, you can see it in all of these performers' faces when they're standing uh, right at the end and they all just sort of cross their, their arms and, and stand there. And you can just see in their faces that like, no matter how incredible of a performer they are, no matter what their status is, no matter like how big they've ever gotten, they're they're performing at the Super Bowl. And you can you can tell just how proud they are and how how like excited and happy they are to be doing this performance. Like it's super cool to see that that like no matter how sort of big you get, 
it's still such a, an achievement. This is to be still able to the do biggest this. performance of your yeah. career, you know, in it's front of the stage, most yeah, people sure. you'll ever perform in front of. It's it's definitely yeah. a huge moment, even when you look at some of these people as being the biggest names of the last thirty plus years in right. music. Yeah. yeah, so good. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, apart from that uh, lovely halftime show. We got a lot of visual content, and most of it we'll be saving towards the end of the show with all the trailers. But oh, yeah. there were some commercial spots that I thought were actually pretty <laughs> good, some that totally missed the mark. Um, I'm going to call it out right now. I think Lay's with Seth Rogen and Paul Rudd was probably one of my my favorites of, of oh, the yeah. ads just because of their character dynamic. And it's just them spinning at the end of that ad in that stance is awesome. There was so much cryptocurrency going on and yeah. I am no better informed on what it does and how it works. Even after there were about nine or 10 commercials for it. Oh, see, I stayed away from, I stayed away from all those. I, I, I was very selective with my choices of, of what it is that I, I dived into and just look at like the top list and, I gotta say, like for me, because um, we we brought up the idea of like movies and movie characters a couple weeks ago, I think, doing cross promotion with yeah. uh, with different companies and things like that. And uh, I gotta say, man, for me, it was all about General Motors and Verizon, just bringing characters back from you know when I was a little bit younger, like Doctor Evil <laughs> and his son Scott and and his grandson Baby Me. Um, I thought it was so good and it's just crazy how that character can still be relevant in 2022 and right. and and Jim Carrey coming back as Chip Douglas um, the cable guy I just thought it was super yeah, I impressive because like, yeah. like they can sort of just step right back into these roles and like it's like they were just doing them yesterday you mm -hmm. know what I mean like I just think it's really really cool and it makes me want another cable guy movie like right now where he has to deal <laughs> with like a world that's moved on from cable and he has to like deal with that mentally like I think that'd be so cool <laughs> Cool. Ah, it was so good. Shout out to uh, Disney for uh, making me like Aquafina for once. Uh, I, I liked I liked the goat <laughs> oh, ad, so that was good. Yeah, I, I did. did yeah. Justin and I were talking about this offline, right? <laughs> yeah. And I was I thought it was a bit I thought it was a bit odd. Yeah, some like older person who's not really into the lingo of goats of saying the goat was like at the marketing team was just kind of like, well, kids say goats all the time, so let's actually put goats in there. I don't know. It just feels a little. A little reminds updated. me reminds me of a, a little audio clip I saw recently of um, Jonah Hill saying how he was calling Meryl Streep the goat when they were yes, working together, yeah, yeah, and she yeah, thought yeah. she he was literally calling her a goat, and apparently <laughs> wasn't offended by that at all. It's so funny, so good. Um, and then the only other one I wanted to call out that like didn't really have anything to do with like movies or anything, um, but the Uber Eats ad with Jennifer Coolidge, Trevor Noah. And it's just a bunch of people that because it says eats on the bag, they eat everything. And it's just like these some of these commercials, I'm like, are they just saying Americans are like really stupid? <laughs> like really? Like are they is that, are that what they're trying to say? Because they're and like at one point we see Gwyneth Paltrow eating her own vagina candle. And yeah. and like, seeming to enjoy it. <laughs> she like, it. Yeah, she's like, that tastes funny. Not bad, but fun. like oh, it was uh what a commercial. But I mean I love I love Jennifer Coolidge. I'll watch her do anything. So that was uh, that was another good. Yeah, that was that was the uh, that was an odd one. The other one was the Bud Light one with um, that, Guy Fieri. Uh, Guy Fieri. <laughs> I didn't. I wasn't. <laughs> I was like, what is this? This is he just was, weird. He was like God, and everyone was made in his image. <laughs> I think like, God of Flavor Town. Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, speaking of gods, though, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Zeus, 
Yes. And, and Selma Hayek as, uh, what was his wife's name? Uh, Kev, our, our Greek mythologist. Hera. Hera. Uh, mm-hmm. There you go. So yeah, um, and, but and yeah, they have I a little. They have a little Pegasus named. Yeah, Peggy. the Pegasus was really cute. That I liked the it. Best. <laughs> it, it. It's funny how these commercials kind of do serve as like, like trailers to a movie that doesn't exist. That'll never you know exist. I mean? unfortunately. And that will never exist. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So. Um, but with that, you know what? Uh, I think we should get into the news because we got a lot of those trailers that we are saving for the end of this episode. Uh, so let's move right into the news. It's all about the details. So just before we get into our first news story, I did want to just uh, take a minute here and acknowledge uh, the loss of Canadian filmmaker Ivan Reitman, uh, who passed away at the age of 75. Best known Mm. for films like Ghostbusters, Kindergarten Cop, Junior, Twins, as well as a bunch of others. Those are just some of my favorites. Uh, Ivan is remembered by his family, including his son, Jason Reitman, who brought us uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife this past year. I got to say, it's got to be hard for him, especially after finishing that film. Uh, you know, it's just going to add another layer of, of meaning to the film for, for himself. So I'm, I'm happy that they, they got to tell that story, but uh, nonetheless, a, a, a loss in, in Hollywood. Big time. And it's crazy, uh, you know, that he passed away uh, over the Super Bowl weekend. And the last movie he directed was uh, Draft Day starring Kevin Costner. Um, yeah. a, a far better movie than something about a draft uh, day had any right to be. I really enjoyed that as a, a different take on a sports movie. It was it was actually thrilling to to see these trades happen and to know all the conversations that were going on. So he did a really good job. It was really slick. Like it felt like it yep. was done by a much younger uh, director. Yeah, I was actually surprised at how interesting he made that that whole topic feel. Um, so yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. And he's had he's had a couple things that I think are more heartfelt. And maybe maybe miss the mark in, in other aspects, but you know, again, like it's crazy to hear all the outpour of colleagues who have been, you know, tweeting memories and and talking about his influence on on comedy and and filmmaking and and how you know it, you know, he he won't be forgotten because his movies have brought in so much laughter and heart to 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 Hollywood, and he also helped shape the landscape of like stand up comedians finding their yeah. way into into film and, and being able to tell those stories. So he has such a long, like lasting impression on on an, on this industry. Yeah. I mean, speaking of that impression, I think that's kind of the the biggest thing. Like we, we won't we won't ever get specifically an Ivan Reitman film again, but Absolutely. we're going to get Ivan Reitman like films. Yeah. Right. We're going to get films that are inspired by Ivan Reitman. And, and we can almost look at it as a, a film style that he's crafted and created out of all of his movies and 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 I think going forward that's you know obviously that's that's such a legacy to leave and uh, obviously our, our thoughts and feelings go out to the entire Reitman family um just kind of going through this but uh yeah man uh dope movies dope movies yeah yeah, yeah. For sure for sure all right uh with that let's let's move into our first news story here um this one comes from IGN by Kat Bailey Futurama voice actors support John DiMaggio as hashtag Bendergate trends on social media. <laughs> this past week, news that Futurama is being revived again on Hulu was met with joy. However, that joy quickly turned to frustration when it became clear 
that a major cast member hadn't yet signed on, and that is John DiMaggio, the voice of Bender. Since then, DiMaggio's absence has sparked a major backlash under the hashtag Bendergate. Fans contended that the series won't be the same without DiMaggio's Bender, who delivered many of the show's memorable lines. DiMaggio himself is, is leaning into the backlash as well. The, the actor has spent much of the time sharing articles about fans threatening a boycott and retweeting accusations that Hulu is lowballing Bender. And with that, there, there has been a lot of conversation around this being rooted in a contract hesitation. DiMaggio was offered a contract, the same contract that was shared to Katie Segal and, and Billy West. And DiMaggio's team reportedly considered this a lowball, uh, made a counterproposal, and then discussions went cold. That was in November. And the studio has been reluctant to, to, to feel like they owe any more due to the fact that West and Seagal have both taken this contract. So a search for a replacement is said to be ongoing while the original offer remains on the table. Futurama is currently set to return on Hulu sometime in 2023. And while a return for DiMaggio's hasn't been fully ruled out, it's far from certain but if DiMaggio is unable to reach an agreement with Futurama showrunners, at least some voice actors are urging their compatriots not to take the yeah. role. And I think that's the important thing is that the community of voice actors have come aboard here to really say, you know, don't don't do it. Right. Like this is this is devaluing. So what do you guys think? The world of, of voice acting and, and voiceovers is so so tightly knit because uh, it is a really sort of smaller group, smaller uh, industry within the industry. And I, I got to say, like, I've, I've met John DiMaggio a couple times uh, in Toronto, um, gotten a chance to meet him, uh, you know, mostly based off of uh, panels that he's done for Adventure Time mm-hmm. uh, as Jake the dog. And he's just he is the sweetest kindest human being that I've I've gotten to meet from the the voice acting world and he it's 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 not something you would expect from a character like Bender necessarily um but I feel like a lot of the times people will read this news they'll see this news and be like what the heck he's he's probably so rich he's probably got so much money why does he need more money I don't think that's that's necessarily fair to sort of take that position I think he's he he's been an established character for so long um that I, I don't know. It, it to me, it just sounds like, especially the, the the people that are offering the money, they they probably I think they have the ability to do a little bit more. Um, and honestly, if you think of I don't know for me when I think of Futurama, the first character that does pop into my head is is Bender. Um, so I don't know. I, again, I'm sure there's a lot of other fans of, of all the other cast, but for me, I just I don't know if I would enjoy it as much without him. Futurama is I personally think I think Futurama is as big as. The Simpsons, in my mind, and I feel like they have the opportunity to to really make a a big return here, and it's I think it's worth it. I don't know. I think it would be worth it for for them to look into that. I don't know. I'm not sure if you can put Futurama on the level of of The Simpsons, just in terms of being a globally recognized brand to the extent yeah. that The Simpsons is with its own its own world at Universal Studios, Universal Studios and, yeah. and all the merchandising. I think the merchandising for The Simpsons is a far greater enterprise than anything for Futurama. That said, John DiMaggio and the, the character of Bender are sort of that central fixture of the show. He's arguably the most popular character to have come from that. And so I can't see them doing this without him at all. I mean, I am kind of in the camp, though, that voice actors have one of the easiest jobs in the world. I mean, nowadays, especially, they just go down into their own little basement recording studio in their own house and 
fire off lines for 20 minutes and, and get a big fat check in the mail for it, you know? So, but I do think that you need to sort of, they need to find a, a common ground so that the actors are all paid what they deserve for their contributions. And I don't think you can do it without them personally. I, I've just, I've seen enough. I've seen enough. Uh, I've never personally voice acted. I've done voice over and I've seen enough of um, what it takes to do that from a standpoint of not getting a chance to necessarily work right in front of another actor and having spoken to other people who have done voice acting like we, you know we've we've had uh, uh monroe chambers canadian actor uh, on the podcast before who's done voice acting in video games and he he talks about how how it's almost more difficult at times to to take on the ability to sort of act without someone in front of you and not being in that environment um so i don't, I don't know if I, I don't fully agree with the aspect of it's it is easier i get the convenience of being able to do that from home but um yeah man i i just i don't know i just think bender's a fixture i'm on team bender for this i just you know what give them give them the money it's at this point he's the iron man He's the, you know, he's the Iron Man of Futurama, um, literally, uh, and well, I think he should, uh, he should get what he deserves. I, 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 th- I agree. I think that, um, you know, again, like you said, when people think of Futurama, he is the character that comes to mind before Fry and Leela, right? So yeah. he's established for that character because a lot of people are going to tune in to watch that. And right off the bat, not having him, you're already creating a negative uh, approach around the show, especially, I just think it's a, a slime ball move to kind of retry to go and recast because again he they're they're just pointing out the strength of the com- voice acting community where nobody's gonna want to touch that. it yeah exactly because because then you're the person that took over bender's exactly. voice and you yeah. don't that's not a that's not something you want exactly that's, <laughs> that's not, not something, something you want on your resume right? yeah so, so that'll be it's an, it's gonna be really interesting to see how it how it turns out i think uh he's he's already started tweeted like a bunch of times and just saying listen be patient like it's i don't think the book is closed i don't think right. the book is closed on this discussion so we'll no, have to wait for sure see. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. All right, well, let's move into our next news story. And our, our the, this next one is actually sort of attached to last week's official list of nominees for the 94th Annual Academy Awards. Now, while we'll be reserving our discussion about the nominations and the movies in a later episode, but I did find this article that does really kind of call into question, does the Academy Awards really have a purpose anymore? Film's Biggest Night, more like an industry insider's only event. So says Seth Rogen in a recent interview. The Pam and Tommy star told insiders that the emphasis on the Academy Awards viewership is baffling. During an interview with Paul Rudd to promote their Super Bowl commercial for uh, Lay's Potato (laughs) Chips, Rogen stated, I don't get why movie people care so much if other people care what awards we give ourselves. To me, maybe people just don't care. Rogan continued by saying, I don't care who wins the automobile awards. No other industry expects everyone to care about what awards they shower upon themselves. Maybe people just don't care. Maybe they did for a while, then stopped caring. And why should they? The 2021 Oscars marked an all-time low in viewership, losing half of its 2020 Oscar audience. After the Academy attempted to pivot amid the pandemic, with once again going hostless, Shortening the show runtime uh, and getting rid of original song performances, less than 10 million people tuned in last year. The 94th Academy Awards, taking place on Sunday, March 27th, is expected to have a host, apparently three hosts. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, and this will be the first time since uh, 2018 with, with Jimmy Kimmel, uh, where he, when he held the show. 
Uh, but speaking of Jimmy, here's the, the part two of this story. He recently spoke out, out about the misstep of the Academy not nominating Spider-Man No Way Home for Best Picture to reflect the film's historic record-breaking fandom. He's quoted for saying, the biggest snub, in my opinion, and I'm actually even angry about this, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say, is the unforgivable omission of Spider-Man No Way Home. Why do Best Picture nominees have to be serious? When did that become a prerequisite for getting nominated for an Academy Award? Kimmel slammed Adam McKay's film Don't Look Up for landing Oscar noms and added, you want to know what happened? Voters looked at the list and saw the names Leonardo DiCaprio and Meryl Streep. And they checked the box for Don't Look Up. And then they put their kids in the car and went to see the Spider-Man movie. <laughs> and they loved it. But they didn't vote for it. So so I guess my question to you guys is, do you think that either Rogan or Kimmel are right? You know, do, do people care about the Oscars anymore? And if they do, should the Academy change the way that they look at films? Uh, I certainly agree more with Kimmel than I do with Rogan. Um, like Rogan almost comes off a bit uh, sounding like somebody who's never been nominated for an Oscar before. <laughs> He's a um, sore loser. <laughs> uh, like I mean, I mean, these are important. We remember Oscar winners for yeah. years and years and years, and it's such an important, almost marketing strategy that these movies are then able to use for years, saying uh, nominated, starring Academy Award nominated actors. I mean, it is a bit of a pat on their own back, I suppose. But I mean, I, I've always taken a great interest in in the Academy Awards, and I think. Kimmel is closer to sort of nailing what the real issue is. And it's there's just too many movies that the regular audience member isn't going to see or have even heard of. Hollywood as an industry and movies as an industry is way bigger than the automobile industry. The automobile industry is massive, but but from a perceptive uh, per, sorry, from a perception of the public eye, I do think obviously movies are much more prevalent but that being said i know people that don't necessarily work or have never worked in the automobile industry that do care if a certain car wins a certain award you know what i mean like i've got fan friends who are huge fans of tesla and they're talking to me about these awards and this thing happened like I, I don't i don't think that's necessarily the best way to to look at it i i i kind of just feel like it's like you said kevin when when I see Oscars, when I see somebody's won an Oscar or somebody's been nominated, it's it is something that I I do take as you know what that means they gave a really good performance and whether you agree or not, but it just it kind of adds that a little bit of uh, discourse for people to be able to bring that up in conversation and get more fans of film. And at the end of the day, I think fans of movies in general well, enjoy the Oscars. He's not wrong in saying that it has become far more niche. Right. Like the, the, the category of people that are watching this is is far more niche and people are really going to actually experience the Oscars through highlights and, and, and tweets and rather than sitting and actually watching the three hour show. There's there is a niche of people that will sit and watch the Oscars because it is a tradition. It is a Hollywood tradition. It's been around for 94 years and you know it it has helped build the industry and and it is what filmmakers and actors and aspire to want to win so it matters i think then you know what then take the take the approach of the video game awards 
you know, I'm not sure if you guys have sat and watched the Video Game Awards, but the Video Game Awards very specifically makes an event out of the situation. They give the awards. Now, granted, there's some some aspects about how they give some awards where they just sort of say, okay, check our tweets for these award winners. But at the same time, it is still a really long show, but it's mixed in with new trailers for things. We've got the Super Bowl that, that's coming up that I'm sure there's some people that do care a little bit about football that watched it more for the trailers than for the football. And so maybe that's a way they could implement and bring in, move away from that niche audience of saying, let's bring in some big trailers to debut during the Oscars, and we can just celebrate movies in general, no matter whether you're a fan of Marvel or whether you're a fan of A24. Sure, and and I think on that, that's kind of where I, I side with with Jimmy. I, I think yeah. the Oscars do need to change their approach to recognizing all sides of the film industry. I do think that, you know, Seth isn't wrong to say that, you know, no industry really does celebrate itself as well as Hollywood does. Right. Uh, it is a tradition. It's just about adapting and changing. And I think that they're still figuring it out. So it does seem like the Oscars in general, they don't change until they're forced to. They don't change until until they they've said something wrong or a pandemic comes around and makes them change. So I it it will be really interesting to see. Um, I guess if these numbers keep going down and down and down every year, um, if if they will hopefully adapt and change. I yeah, hope. for yeah. sure. Awesome. Okay. Well, guys, two primer news stories. That's How you it? feeling? That's it. What? Was like, like a little tease. I just I, I thought there were some fun news stories. We got so much other stuff. Let's get right into what we're all here for. It's trailer time. <laughs> Uh, a few of these trailers actually did drop earlier last week ahead yeah. of Super Bowl. Uh, I, I think that we kind of appreciate that because we got a, a little bit more time to spend with some of these trailers over the last mm -hmm. week. And uh, with that, we're going to start with some of those drip feed trailers from earlier last week. Our first one, Jurassic World Dominion, starring Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard, Daniela Pineda, and returning cast... Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, and of course, B.D. Wong. Jurassic World Dominion is the third installment of the Jurassic World franchise. The film hits theaters June 10th, 2022. Uh, what did you guys think of our, our first real look? Because everyone's been wondering, because they've done all, they've done some like side promo stuff. We talked about those Olympics things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which... you could see, which you could totally see. Like we commented on those Olympics and cross promote promo, pro, oh, cross promotions um, a couple weeks ago with the dinosaurs on the ice, and I was like, "It's like well, there's no way the dinosaurs are on the ice in the actual movie." Uh, but no, it looks like they might have used like some unfinished footage from this movie in those advertisements. For sure. Um, I, I love this trailer, actually. I, it got me really excited. Um, the lines from John Hammond at the beginning, mm -hmm. beautiful, really good placement of that audio. And then I, I just, I feel like the trailer, though, it feels like what the first of this trilogy should have been. You know what I mean? Like, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed the first Jurassic World and the second one was okay. But this this is giving me sort of the, the reboot characters meeting the legacy characters feeling of The Force Awakens. And I'm I'm really intrigued by that. I think having Sam Neill, Laura Dern, and Jeff Goldblum for back for more than just a scene, which is what we got with Jeff in the in the, you know, despite what the marketing set felt like it was gonna be. And I hope that's not the case with this movie. Th like this trailer really does make it seem like these characters are gonna be around throughout the entire movie. And I'm so stoked for that because it 
I think it might actually give us the ability to say goodbye to these characters. Not because they're going to die or anything. I hope not. You never know with Jurassic Park. But, um, but I, I just feel like it's a good sort of send-off. One more adventure with them. I yeah. don't know if they need to necessarily send them off, but... Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> with boat. you. I, I think, I think, yeah. I, well, like again, they, they're in the world. This is why yeah. they're returning, and I appreciate the fact that they didn't, you know, try to shove all of this into the first of three and have saved it for what is the last of 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 the the trilogy or the third installment. You know, again, like you said, it, it, I'm I'm glad to see the original cast returning, and it does look like, as you're saying, that they have skin in the game. Uh, you know, more than, than Dr. Malcolm ever had in, in the previous Jurassic World. To see him, Laura Dern and, and Sam Neill with, with dinosaurs feels like the, the payoff the last film deserves, right? It, it feels like this is the payoff that we deserve from this three film installment of Jurassic World. So I, I'm I'm very excited for this movie. Yeah, and I think it was important to sort of allow Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard to develop their own characters and sort of shine on their own without the distraction of those legacy characters. Mm. And so now that they've had two movies to do that, now this whole coming together of everyone, um, you know, in a way to sort of help right the wrongs of Jurassic Park three, I think Mm -hmm. where Alan was really poorly used in a pretty lousy movie. I think this will be that third legacy character movie yeah. that we never ended up getting w- way back in the early 2000s for sure his he the, I, I would i would i would want to trade the word of sending off for redeeming i mm-hmm. hope this film redeems these characters in a way that that really does not necessarily maybe close them out but just allows them to just continue doing what they're doing in the world and again if they don't come back to the jurassic franchise that's totally fine but they're off doing their thing i love that they're getting off the island I love that they're it's like it's all over the world, right? It looks like we're going to Italy at one point. Like that's pretty dope. And um, I did think that the trailer. It was interesting. They're saying the conclusion to the Jurassic era, and we got some news. Uh, I think a little bit last week that they are planning on doing more uh, Jurassic Park or Jurassic World. I'm just wondering if they move to another period at this point. Do we get do we get Cretaceous? park or cretaceous world or is it the ice age they're going to move into with all this snow in this trailer right maybe we i mean to be fair they were already mixing dinosaurs from different uh, oh okay okay different periods Periods? yeah it's not like the the dinosaurs we've seen so far were from the jurassic uh the jurassic age okay all right yeah cool i'm stoked yeah no i i think i read a comment uh someone referred to it as like jurassic park meets mission impossible and i was like that that totally. seems interesting. <laughs> totally on the bike. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Let's go. Um, all right. Another trailer that dropped last week uh, from Pixar, Lightyear, directed by Angus McLean, starring Chris Evans, Taika Waititi, and Kiki Palmer. Uh, no official synopsis, uh, but it is the story of Buzz Lightyear and his adventures to infinity and beyond. This film is hitting theaters June seventeenth, twenty twenty-two. I am stoked for this. This the visuals. I, I don't. I thought I'd be sick of hearing Starman and like these space, you know, sci-fi movies, but I don't know with this visuals, I, I really enjoy it. So I don't know. I, Dude, I'm, the whole I'm, movie I'm could just be a music video with <laughs> Starman in the background. I'd be down, but yeah, but we sure. actually got to hear Chris Evans uh, voice yes. as, as Lightyear. And yes. I think he's, you can hear him trying to hit the sort of lower tones of the Tim Allen sort of original buzz voice. Um, and I think, you know, you mentioned there's no description. I think so. Okay. If I'm going to give my theory on what I read into that trailer, 
it, the planet is trying to prevent them from leaving, right? So, so, so there's there's that little arm, that vine or whatever that comes out of the ground and grabs Buzz at the beginning of the trailer, um, and then does it again. And I think I think Buzz goes on a mission uh, to try and like stop it or be able to get them off the planet, but he ends up traveling forward in time. Yeah, because then you see the planet in the second half of the trailer. Um, the planet that you know that plant that keeps bothering them is it ends up winning in the end because the terrain is super green. Right. It's super like foresty. And I think I think it kind of starts off as sort of like a gag, but then becomes a really big problem throughout the movie. Hmm. I think that's where that's the most that I was able to get out of. So you're saying it's about trailer. global warming. Interesting. No, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that but but uh, I, I don't know. I'm still, no, I, I agree. I think you know? I think that there's there there's obviously there's obviously something to those vines. Uh, yeah. That does does look like it want doesn't want them to leave the planet, right? Um, I I got the vibes too of time travel. I think that that looks that looks great. Like I, you know, I I'm just liking how the visuals seem very inspired by, you know, con- like contemporary and and even some older, more vintage sci-fi aesthetics. You know, you got 2001: A Space Odyssey. You you get these Martian vibes. You get you know uh, a little bit of aliens with with a little bit of Interstellar inter- in there as well. Exactly. Like you're totally, getting, you're getting a mix of of it all. And with that, on top of it, you know, we got to see Zerg, but we got to see like two versions of him. It looks like there's like a big menacing robot version of him. And then there's a smaller version that was at a control desk that smashes. I'm almost um, wondering if he's controlling the big robot or something. Uh, well, that's exactly yeah. what I was yeah, leading at. I, yeah. think, I think he's not inside of it, but it'll be interesting to see when they reveal who the voice actor is for Zerg. I'm excited Ooh, to see that. Seth Rogen. No, no. John DiMaggio. <laughs> John DiMaggio is the voice actor. Um, no, man. I don't know. Kevin, do you, were you, are you stoked about uh, Lightyear? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that the, the teaser trailer we got a month or two ago did a great job of sort of letting us know what to expect. And it definitely was a different looking movie than I was sort of anticipating with this one. And then, so this trailer really just does a great job of of expanding on that idea. And I think, I mean, I, I, I don't know if we needed any more Toy Story stories, so I'm so glad that they're taking a, a name that we're familiar with in a completely different direction. I do think that, uh, you know, Pixar, uh, whenever they skew to be a little bit more adult, though, it's kind of really cool. Like, this one does seem like it's maybe a little less for kids. I mean, obviously, it's bright colors and characters pew-pewing and stuff like that and you've got socks the robo cat which is going to be super cute but like this one's giving me the vibes that i got from like wally right where wally for a lot of kids was probably boring as heck right because there's not that much dialogue and it's kind of slow but it it does hit for for adults a little bit more and i think that's what they're going for with this uh based off this trailer yeah i I think that they know the audience that they're going for and that is for the generation of people that did watch the movie as kids yeah, and because it's animated, it is incredibly kid friendly for that generation's kids. So uh, you know, we talk about confidence. We talk about movies knowing who their audience is and really going for it. And I feel like this film is very confident in knowing what it's doing. So, all right, on to the next trailer. This one from Netflix, The Adam Project, directed by Sean Levy, uh, starring Ryan Reynolds, Mark Ruffalo. Jennifer Garner, Zoe Saldana, Catherine Keener, and Walker Scobell. Again, sorry if I mispronounced any of those. Uh, a time traveling, <laughs> a time traveling pilot teams up with his younger self and his late father to come to terms with, with his past while saving the future. Wow, 
Sounds like a poem of a synopsis, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, hitting Netflix March 11th, 2022. I'm, I'm very intrigued with this one. It looks like it could be like a back to the future style sort of mix, but I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't feel like Tomorrowland. Like it That's, just doesn't. And Justin, you're taking the words right out of my mouth. I was like, this is giving me vibes of when Disney tries to go off the books a little bit, right? Like Tomorrowland or like Artemis Fowl, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's giving me those kind of vibes. And I'm half of me wants to love this because you've got Ryan Reynolds, Zoe Saldana, uh, Jennifer Garner, Mark Ruffalo. And then I think this kid, Walker Scoble, like even just from the little tidbits of quick comedic delivery that he's he's throwing out there, like... I was like, this was good casting for him. Like he, he. I thought they like did some sort of CGI to make him look and sound a little bit more like Ryan Reynolds. But no, it's just him. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, intri- I'm intrigued, but I'm definitely tempering my expectations on this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I got some uh, frequency vibes from this trailer. Uh, oh, I that's a good remember reference. That movie. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like they showed an awful lot in this trailer. It seems to give the whole movie away, and you know, seeing you know, Ryan Reynolds and Mark Ruffalo together feels like something that could have been saved for the movie rather than revealing all revealing of that. It, right. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. I think that it might've leaned a little bit on the heavy side of showing us a little too much. And I think that that's kind of my apprehension with it. Now, you know, Sean Levy and, and Ryan Reynolds did free guy. Right. So, uh, you know, that movie was tons of fun and they have a, yeah. a great working relationship where, I think most of the time Ryan Reynolds is, is operating as a producer and even maybe even a writer. But you see, you mentioned it. We've got Ryan Reynolds working with the guy that they just mm-hmm. did uh, Free Guy with. That's all you needed to sell this movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Sure. I think yeah, that exactly. you could have just shown Ryan Reynolds for two minutes and it would have been enough to, mm-hmm. to sell this idea. Yeah, it's almost like I hope that the movie is better than the trailer. Right. Like the trailer, like, again, we talk about trailers all the time and what makes a good trailer and what makes a bad trailer. And I think a good trailer is something that gives you I think Lightyear is a great trailer. It gives you a hint or an idea of what's possibly to expect, but doesn't give you the entire storyline. And yeah, yeah, we don't we don't want to see that in the trailer. We want to see it in the movie. But yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Um, And speaking of trailers, well, we have more. (laughs) Our next one is actually less of a trailer and more of a hype reel. Yeah. D.C. The world needs heroes. Uh, with Batman out in theaters in just a few short weeks, DC dropped this hype reel as a reminder to their fans of their upcoming projects for 2022. While the reel consisted of no new footage for the Batman or the Flash, we did get Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne in voiceover form and a couple clips of Aquaman. But this did give us our first and best look at Black Adam and the Justice Society members we'll be seeing in the movie. Apart from seeing the rock in costume, we got to see Aldous Hodge's Hawkman, Pierce Brosnan's Dr. Fate, who looks absolutely badass, Noah Centino's Adam Smasher, and Quintessa Swindle's Cyclone. Black Adam hits theaters July 29th. So guys, focusing on the Black Adam portion, what did you guys think? It, it kind of looks it looks good, right? It looks good. I mean, specifically, I don't know if it will be any good, but I mean, <laughs> DC is bound to have a good movie at least this year. I mean, that which is crazy. It's about bloody time. Uh, they might have several movies. I think The Flash has a lot of potential. Um, and I do think that the, the visuals we did finally get for Black Adam look pretty badass. I can see why The Rock is so excited uh, about the project. So, yeah, I think this might be the, the year that uh, DC finally turns the corner. 
it's interesting though that they they just kind of really shoved all this footage of Black Adam in here when we could have just gotten a Black Adam trailer, right? I think that would have been a better way to to do. I get the idea of releasing a hype reel and saying, "Hey, everyone, hold on! I promise you, there's more after Batman." But to see Matt Reeves' Batman kind of thrown into the mix, it it sort of threw me off a bit. I, I, and I know Justin, you and I talked about this, and you're like, "It's a hype reel. It's it's fine." But like, they're not in the same universe. So don't confuse your audience into thinking that they might be. There's a lot of casual people out there that might want to enjoy the DCEU and might want to jump into that and now think that Batman is connected in some way. I don't know. I I feel like it just felt weird to kind of mash that all together. I don't know. But see, when I watched it, and especially with with the tag that was attached to it, it was was very much that, you know, DC, this is their hype reel. It wasn't necessarily about, you know, telling a, a connective story. I think they are jumping off the liberties of Spider-Man No Way Home. People know what The Flash is going to be about because of the casting. I think right. they're just showing that they're building their own multiverse, if you will, right? Like they yes. have skin in the game that, to kind of, you know, uh, to help build out more of this multiverse concept, right? And they're going to do it in their own way. Well, whatever it is, I'm I'm really hopeful that we can get the same level of feeling of how we might have felt about another trailer that we're going to talk about a little bit later with a DC movie. I mean, I think a lot of people are feeling that with Batman, honestly, with with that coming up. But I think after that, it just feels feels like they're going back to their old old ways of, of how they do these movies. And it's it's kind of upsetting. And just let Matt Reeves maybe make all of them. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to, <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. Or or you could get uh, James Gunn. He's he's, he's, <laughs> he's working on that DC stuff. That's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Get both of them to herald it. Let them be the the Favreau and Filoni of yeah. DC. I'm down for that. Holy. There you go. There you go. Okay. Well, now we're heading into the animated world with our next trailer, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, directed by Jeff Fowler, uh, starring Ben Schwartz as Sonic, Idris Elba as Knuckles, Colleen O'Shaughnessy as Tails, as the voice of Tails, and Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik, and James Marsden as Tom. I believe he was a cop. everyone's favorite character. Yes, Tom from Sonic. Remember when you were playing the Sonic game, Justin, and you were like, "Oh, I can't wait to play as Tom." <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I loved being Tom because I had no idea what was going on. Uh, the synopsis yeah. is: After settling in Green Hill, Sonic is eager to prove that he has what it takes to be a true hero. His test comes from Doctor Robotnik. Return with a new partner, Knuckles, in search of a mystical emerald that has the power to destroy civilization. Sonic teams up with his own sidekick, Tails, and together they embark on a globe-trotting journey to find the emerald before it falls into the wrong hands. So uh, the trailer, I never saw the first one. I, I will say oh. that right off the bat. Okay. Uh, but after seeing the trailer, this looks fun. Looks like stupid fun, right? Like, yeah. like looks, looks. And that's like, very, very much the first movie was, uh, I enjoyed it a lot more than I expected Oh, so you to. saw it too. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm going to see this just for Jim Carrey's mustache alone. Yes. That that looks. <laughs> I was dying at this ridiculous thing waving around on screen. He's and he's it's he's he's embraced the Robotnik, and that's the yeah. best part. And I think this movie, as a whole, might be better than the first one simply because it is embracing yes. the more ridiculous side. They, you know what? They, they, I guess they had to get out of the way the idea of 
bringing in audiences by saying, we've got a human in this too. And now they're just focusing, getting away from Tom's character, focusing more on Green Hill. And I think that makes so much more sense because I think there's so much more personality in that world than even our, our own world. And yes. it was like, they brought that into our world. Now we're going into theirs and I'm stoked. And Idris Elba sounds awesome as Knuckles. Like it's such a ridiculous thing to say, yeah. but I'm, uh, I'm really excited for this one. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, going off of that point, you know, the first one needs to to establish the world. And and, yeah. and by the sounds of it, it did that so that they could really just go wild in this in this sequel by the looks of it and have fun with it. Um, that being said, it's it does look enjoyable and we don't have to wait too long for it because it apparently it's it's in theaters April 8th, 2022. So, you know, we could we could find ourselves sitting in the theaters enjoying Join some green hills. Like Sonic itself, it's got to go fast. You know what I mean? That's, that's how it is. That's how it it's is. like an 80-minute movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's okay with me. Yeah. Uh, all right. From animated into a dark, dark world that is written and directed by Jordan Peele. Nope. Starring Kiki Palmer, Daniel Kaluuya, uh, and Steven Yeun. The synopsis is the residents of a lonely gulch in inland California bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery. That is all that this movie gets in terms of a description. Uh, it's hitting theaters July 22nd, 2022. Are you guys ready for this sci-fi thriller with some fucked up visuals, man? <laughs> like Jordan Peele, like he seems like he's he's on a quest to answer the question. The truth? Is it out there? Huh? Oh. Like there is some. This is this is the cowboys and aliens that uh, we were promised years ago by Favreau, but uh, this looks much better. <laughs> He's yeah. gonna love this movie. Yeah, this yeah. is this looks wild, man. Like the visuals were uh, upon second viewing were more terrifying than than they're than very the first, spooky. There, because of the things that I was noticing, and and just even the visual of when he's in the in the van and he opens the door and you just see this this circle above him, like even just that was incredibly. <gasps> I love the way the the trailer uses uh, sound, and then sometimes the lack of it, and even the way that they bring the the title in. It was very like kind of old school horror movie, right? Um, but I also I just thought like when you hear the reverse horse scream, like. Ever since watching The Ring, spoilers for The Ring if you haven't seen it, but there's a scene in The Ring where a horse jumps off a boat and gets completely just like completely decimated by the boat's motor and you hear the screams of this horse and it just brought me right back to that and <laughs> honestly, like I'm a big fan of horses. This this got me really freaked out and uh and I think it has I think it's going to have a lasting impression which all of his movies do and it's interesting how he leaves a lasting impression not only for the, like the terrifyingness of it, or if that's a word, but also, um, you know, kind of the moral story that he brings along sure. in his movies as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think people have already deconstructed everything about this trailer to, to really understand it. I think the wildest theory that's being tweeted out there uh, that I, I read about this this uh, the, from this trailer is the fact that horses are being turned into people, um, and that's <laughs> that's what the, that's what, what aliens that's what the that's what these aliens are doing because of the reference of of a of, of a bad miracle. Um, and just the idea of, of the, the, the visual of the sort of hooved hand under the table dripping in blood. No uh, way, yeah, dude. And, and just uh, these, these alien things are, are, are bringing something. Uh, hence why there's this sacrifice. There's some really intelligent people out there that have been breaking it down all through YouTube. Um, Do and they there's see some interesting the, they theories. They see the horses as, 
as like slaves and they're trying to like bring them to become the masters of the world. Well, we're or... going to have to wait to July 22nd to find out wait. if this theory is is true, but what is the commentary that he's that he's going to be making about the fact that horses are being turned into people? I don't know if that's I don't know if that that's now now you're losing me a bit with that one now. <laughs> but um I just I do want to call out I saw somebody tweet uh, the other day not of planet Earth. And I think that's excellent. I think that's absolutely excellent. Nope. Not of planet Earth, I think, is a really cool way to sort of break that down. If if us was United States, then that's what they're going for. So for sure. It's but the visuals, dude, you called it already. Like they just look See that little so alien insane. behind the fence? That was creepy too. Like the fact what you're not seeing is what ha- what's so scary, right? Yeah. Like, you just see this little bobbing head behind the fence. I'm like, oh my god, what is that? <laughs> oh, I'm stoked. Oh yeah. I am I'm ready to be immersed in in some some fucked up jordan peele stuff because it's going to be tons of fun um all right let's get into some of the the big hitters big hitters from super bowl first one up lord of the rings the rings of power this one's coming from amazon prime studio um this stars a variety of people whose names I'm about to butcher. So <laughs> bear with me. Starring Morfed Clark, Peter Mullen, Benjamin Walker, Robert Armeo, and Nazine Bonadi. I think that's how you say 80%, that. 80%, Justin. That was pretty good. I give you 80% on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, the synopsis reads as follows. Epic drama set thousands of years before the events of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings follows an ensemble cast of characters, both familiar and new, as they confront the long-feared reemergence of evil to Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, this looks epic in scope, eh? Like, yeah. just this short one-minute visual... Uh, trailer i was so captivated it really does show that this thing has a budget it's got money behind it for sure they got money behind it especially (laughs) hearing that they're the first in line uh to potentially buy the license of the lord of the rings um that's that's what's really intriguing to me is that they can they'll be able to continue to do even more with it maybe if they they do end up with it uh as as a huge fan of the movies uh uh, you know uh, but also a little hesitant when it comes to prequels uh, I think this one will be set far enough beforehand that it, that sort of usual problem I have with prequels won't exist here. So for that alone, I'm I'm excited to go back to Middle Earth and uh, and experience some new stories that will certainly, hopefully, be better than uh, what we got in the Hobbit films. Yeah, and I I think that it's it's based on this one minute treatment. It it feels very much that this will build out the world so much more than was already done in those six films and, and continuing that as, as you said, Nate. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see just the scope and where they go with it. It's, it is, it's going to be really cool. And I, I think it's interesting because we, unlike star Wars, we haven't really gotten or Marvel. We haven't really gotten a ton of expanded content, right? I mean, Tolkien wrote the Silmarillion and, and a couple other books and and gave a little bit more context to this world and, and these events. But for the most part, this is going to be kind of fans' first step back into the Lord of the Rings. Um, and to me, you know, I, I saw some people sort of comparing it to the, the sequel uh, trilogy. But really, I think this is closer to, obviously, the prequel trilogy being a prequel. But just in the sense of, like, as fans, we really haven't gotten to, to see 
Lord of the Rings, we haven't gotten to jump back into this world for a long enough amount of time that I think it's uh, it's going to be huge. And I, 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 you know, we see the Kingdom of Numenor at the beginning. Um, our, that's that statue we see holding the handout. You guys might remember that from from uh, the Fellowship of the Ring. And then this this show is really going to be, I think, about the downfall of Numenor. I think that's going to be the big thing that we get at the end of this series um, because it does get destroyed. Uh, and I think the coolest part about this is that we're going to get main characters from each race of Middle-earth yes. very similar to our Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, I was going to say one of the big call-outs is there's just so much culture yes. that's so visible in this one-minute treatment that feels fresh and just kind of taking the the property in a new direction, whereas I think we could easily say most of the cast from from the original six movies was fairly white. Absolutely. And I, I think they've, you know, they've got uh, some different characters that kind of uh, emphasize the diversity of what we experience in, in our world and yeah. are bringing it into Middle Earth. But I, I just wanted to quickly shout out, I mean, we've got uh, Nori Brandyfoot, uh, who is a Harfoot. And Harfoots are the predecessors to Hobbits. So there's our Hobbit angle. We see Galadriel, who's the blonde character um, played by Morphid Clark. And I think she's going to be really integral to the main narrative of the storyline. And she's going to be our elves. We also get a young Elrond. I don't know if you guys saw Elrond there. Robert Aramayo uh, is the guy. He's like bent on one knee. And and then we get Halbrand, uh, who's played by Charlie Vickers, um, and I think he's going to be in some way connected to Isildur because, according to the casting, uh, Maxim Baldry is playing Isildur. So I think that's going to be maybe our look at our human characters. And then for our dwarves, um, we've got Owain Arthur, who plays Prince Durin the Fourth, and he's living in Casadoom before it gets all wrecked by a Balrog because apparently the you know the the uh, dwarves get really greedy and they dig too deep and they wake up <laughs> the Balrog which destroys their their entire world um but I just I think it's so cool that yeah in the original trilogy the goal was to destroy the rings of power and this is going to be a race to create them right mm-hmm. and I think you know I think Justin Kevin if there's there's one group that I've yet to mention it's the most exciting thing about getting back into the Lord of the Rings and that's what wizards are we going to see are we going to get a young Gandalf? Are we going to get a young Saruman? Are we going to get a, a Radagast the Brown or Alatar or Palando the Blue Wizards? Are they going to show up for the first time in live action? I just, it's really cool to see what they can do with this. And like you said, Justin, expanding upon yeah. the works, going further than what was already there so that people that do look into this stuff or have read the, the narrative source material, they can be excited and, and stoked. I just, for me, you need to tread a very careful line of feeling like Lord of the Rings but at the same time, giving me enough Game of Thrones vibes. That's what I, I, I know I'm a, I'm a big, I, I, it sounds like a broken record because I was like, Boba Fett needs to be more like Game of Thrones. <laughs> but uh, I do think that this series has the ability to kind of be at that level, right? For sure. I, I don't know, though, if it will lean that far into a Game of Thrones. But I, I think that to the layer of politics that apply, I, I totally agree with you. I think yeah. that there's a layer there that can be explored within this this Tolkien world uh, uh, about the politics that kind of dictate, right? Because we, we were seeing that in the those other six movies in, in various ways. I just want them to make me hate a character and love that character by the end of the series. That's all I want. That's all I want from my sci-fi fantasy. No, you'll, uh, still, you'll, still, you'll still want more. You'll still want no. more. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. I mean, there were just times like a- where I was a little nervous about the visual aesthetic, but I think it did enough to sell me that, yeah, they've really put... Uh, 
a hell of a lot of money into this, and this will not be, uh, you know, a Wheel of Time equivalent, which Ooh. lost me by about three episodes just because it, it, it came off a little corny. <laughs> Oh, shoot. Yeah, yeah, that one did not play well. Um, well, this one's a little bit later in the in the in the year, so it's it's dropping on Amazon Prime uh, September second, twenty twenty two. So we we got some time to wait. But uh, cool. Before that, we got Moon Knight, our next trailer, uh, coming from Marvel Studios Disney Plus series. We we've talked about this in great lengths. Uh, this again, this is a sort of short tease to our heavy hitter a real heavy hitter for our finale here um but i i gotta i wanted to take a second and, and call this out uh it's pre- premiering march 30th on disney plus as, as already mentioned but what do you guys think of the new visuals some of the action stuff that we got i i was i was digging digging those action scenes and and you know kind of coupling this with news that came out earlier this week that you know kevin feige says that they're not holding back in this series you know it's got a 14a rating on it so you know it, it it's gonna lean pretty violent and uh, some of these shots while they obviously weren't super violent it just showed a little bit more of that yeah it does really really give off a far more mature vibe than uh a lot of the things that we were, were, were you know used to getting in the mcu it's it's crazy that this might not be the trippiest, most bonkers trailer that we'll talk about uh, involving <laughs> yeah. Marvel somehow. Yeah. But uh, no, they're really, it looks like they're pushing the envelope with this one. And, and that's nice to see, you know, the, when you're when you're this far into it, you need to come in with fresh sort of takes and, and new different types of stories. And that certainly does seem to be what we're getting. But speaking of fresh takes, I mean, this is how you do a 30 second you know, exactly. spot, right? Exactly. You show a little bit more. You don't give yeah. away everything, right? And exactly. I think, you know, we've seen that in the past, but I think this, you know, we get a little bit more of his costume. We get to see the cool jump he does where his cape turns into, it, like, makes a crescent Oh, man, that shape. cape shot was so cool. I was like, so oh, good. dope. Yeah. So good. And then I think I think the only thing that kind of I got from this trailer, um, I think Ethan Hawke's character is going to be responsible for him getting the Moon Knight powers. I think, um, I, I feel like Ethan Hawke is going to be someone who praises Khonshu, and that's going to be where that connection, I could be completely off on that, but I just, you see two of them, and then you see a big purple thing come from like a mountain or something, and I'm like, that's got to be... Great call out, though. You mentioned purple, because we've seen that magic been used before from the same, from Agatha, and I'm not saying oh, that's her, but I'm saying but that power set... Magic could potentially Ooh. come across so yeah because he is super culty and 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 sort of yeah. interesting interesting okay. right okay. so we might see some some layers and nuances but you're right you guys are right this was very reserved very tempered it gave us what we wanted uh and stayed you know 30 seconds because they had a heavy hitter marvel Damn. studios had a heavy hitter coming out of the gate dropping a what two and a half minute trailer for dr strange in the multiverse of madness uh hitting theaters may 6th 2022 uh this is of course starring benedict cumberbatch elizabeth olsen rachel mcadams benedict wong chuatel ejiofor sochel gomez and apparently patrick stewart as professor xavier like come on like uh, i'm i like this was this was the moment in the trailer where i was like (gasps) i like literally did that when i heard his voice (laughs) i couldn't breathe i was like (gasps) i was like stood up from my 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 couch i was like oh my god like and and to think that they gave us this what aren't they showing is the question like this is this isn't even the tip of the iceberg, I think, of of what we will potentially see come out of this movie. I mean, I hope this is all we see. 
I don't want another two minute trailer where they, you know, I want this to be very much like Spider-Man where they've shown us a little bit. Now they've addressed some rumors that have been circling for a little while, but that's all we get until we're actually in a theater watching this. For sure. It's such a, a damn good trailer. And, you know, Marvel had to have known while they were making No Way Home that fans would react the way they would and that having this movie released so closely to No Way Home, they had to bring a, a really hard second punch in this one-two punch of, of multiple well, stories, right? It's right? clear that they knew. They knew. Ab- this absolutely. Was, this is why but they put these movies back to back. Which is great. I'm, I'm super stoked that, I mean, that hopefully it's not getting going anywhere from that release date, but, I mean, it's just like we get what, a, what if coming to life, right? We're seeing the buildings melting into black goo, just like in the Doctor Strange episode of What If? Mm-hmm. Um, and then... You know, Wanda and Steven having that discussion in the orchard. Like, I love the idea, just like with Moon Knight, how I feel like we're going to, as an audience, be seeing one thing, but not realizing we're actually watching a completely different moment because he's he's in that sort of red scene with her and he's wearing the same outfit. So, like, is the orchard in her head? Is that what it meant by going into her eyeball at the end of the trailer? Like, there's just so much to dive into with this. And uh, I don't care if we go for another hour on this podcast, honestly. Let's just talk about (laughs) it. Yeah, this this trailer gave us so much. And there was also, like, it was funny because what they ran on TV was, like, a trailer to go watch the full trailer online. Um, so, in, and in that, they had different sets of visuals. They yep. we saw the zombie uh, zombified Wanda. We saw a zombified uh, Doctor Strange. Yep. Uh, we, we we did see a little bit, I think, of it towards the end. But this was like literally him turning into a zombie in that like short little trailer that was that was on TV. Um, and you're absolutely right. There's there's just more of what if finding its way into the real world and there's even a moment in the trailer where they're shattering through the glass and like these eagle eye fans are already noticing like there's they're coming from an animated world into which like looks like dinosaur yeah like into a dinosaur world and that dinosaur world where is that is that the savage land like there's just so much that that the trailer gives you that gives you so many questions beyond the reveal of of patrick stewart okay, showing okay, wait, up before like, we before we before <laughs> we get into all of that though i just really want to quickly mention because you you mentioned what if we mentioned wanda um seeing the two wandas a in the westview home um, obviously that's going to be an alternate version of that house because the one we know in our universe is destroyed. But it's interesting to see the other Wanda, the scar on her forehead, and we see her in another scene where it's like really blood dripping down. Note, look at the character model for the zombie Scarlet Witch in What If. Yeah. And there's a, a very clear scar on her head. And you could sort of chalk that up to like she's a zombie. But no, it's like in the exact same position and shape. And you just have to wonder if there's something connected there. And obviously yeah. there is because in the TV spot we did get, as you said, that that zombie Wanda. But then, dude, even in the poster, even in the poster, Peggy Carter's shield is yeah. hidden in there. Like, what yeah. if is coming to life? I'm so stoked. Yeah, absolutely. And, and with the introduction of Patrick Stewart's character in this trailer, uh, you know, they're obviously hinting at the Illuminati. And for yeah. those who, who might not know, the Illuminati is made up of six core characters that sort of serve as, as a higher power that kind of make decisions. I think in the comics, they, they were known for making the decision to send Hulk off world because he was a danger to Earth. Um, so given that this is a multiverse movie, I feel like what mm. we're seeing and, and Darcy sort of backed this theory up, this quite possibly might be the Illuminati, but like a multiversal committee. So there's a lot of things up in the air about who's on the Illuminati because, you know, from the comics, 
there is Reed Richards, who's one of the founding members, and uh, Tony Stark. So a lot of rumors circulating about, you know, us getting a variant version of Reed Richards and maybe getting a variant version of Tony Stark played by Tom Cruise, which is wild. Um, But, you know, these Eagle fans online already breaking everything down. Like, honestly, it's, it's crazy. They're making me question you know the 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 glowing person that that Wanda is fighting um you know they're they're zooming in they're looking at all the details that it, it could be iron man superior but i don't know it's just i i'm too stoked for this movie well and then who's the flaming character well that's i think that is Justin, that the, is just, that the is that who you're talking about i think he's about? saying okay. it's i but i i don't know i liked your first theory first Justin. justin was like oh it's it's uh it's maria Rambeau or Monica Rambeau, which would Monica Rambeau would make so much more sense. She would though, make fighting sense. Wanda in Westview. Yeah, like that's, well, that's I don't think that's Westview sense. either. I think that shot when we're flying in to Wanda's eye. I think yeah. that's a visual that we're going to see when Charles Xavier tries to go inside oh, shoot. of her mind, dude. Because I think she's I think she ends up at this facility that they're they're holding Strange at uh, to get them back because I think America Chavez is going to be with them. Anyways, we know that there's been a lot of rumors circulating around, uh, you know, Fox characters finding their way over into the MCU and potentially Wanda having a bout with with one of those X-Men characters. And I think I think Xavier is going to be that character. I think that pretty much confirms that. I also I mean, if we're going off talking about maybe some other characters like. I don't know, man. Uh, obviously, yeah, Reed Richards would be really cool. I do think Baron Mordo is actually going to be on that the Illuminati committee. Council. Yeah. He's going to be, yeah. and and he's you know he's kind of like wanting to give Stephen uh, a warning ahead of time because he's his friend. He's like, I warned you a million times about this that it was going to happen. It was you know the bill was going to come due. But um, I do think that I just think it would be absolutely nuts if if <laughs> if we hear the line, should we tell him the truth, and then followed up by, what do you think? Eric, and then freaking Magneto <laughs> is sitting right there. I don't know. I think it would be maybe that's too much. Um, but I, what I really also would think would be really cool, like if they are, um, if he is ever in a jail cell, if we do get Steven in sort of this Illuminati HQ jail cell, how sick would it be if we just hear the voice of Jeremy Wright just sitting next to him and be like, "Yeah, it's a rough life, bud." And it's just, it's just the Watcher sit like the Watcher of all people is For not sure. powerful enough to go up against these Illuminati. And I just, I'm super stoked for it. I, I think I, you know, I want to give myself a very tiny pat on the back because I think a lot of people were expecting this after the end of WandaVision. But I kind of was like, yeah, Wanda's going to be our villain. And I think I'm really right after looking at this trailer. And mm-hmm. I think she steals America Chavez from her universe because we know that America Chavez is from another universe. She's going to use her powers to like open other multiverses so and search to get her kids right yeah. and she's going to want to get vision back she's going to want to get her two boys back um it's just it's it's nuts like they can they can literally just do anything with this movie and everyone's going to be okay with it because it's just going to be so exciting I, I think she is going to be the villain and i think the, the trailer definitely does set that up pretty well but you know who knows the illuminati could be the villains too i've i've said in the past that like tom cruise as iron man i think i, I was i was a little worried about it cuz I, I i do want my last image to be Robert Downey Jr., you know, snapping his fingers. Like, that's Iron Man to me, and that should always be Iron Man. And I just feel like it could kind of discredit his character a bit. But, but, just like how I think they managed to get Patrick Stewart back on board by saying, no, 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 it's an alternate universe 
character version of 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 uh, Professor X. It's not the one who died in Wolverine. It's a different one. That that to me sort of quells my fears a little bit more. And the fact that we've got the Ultron bots, um, you know, sort of coming through. It's like, yeah, did this superior Iron Man? Yeah. Did he finally crack the like? He was the one that cracked the code on Ultron and actually made. Or Reed Richards, Ultron. or Reed Richards did. If it's a variant, right. like a lot of people are saying that, you know, John Krasinski could be the variant of Reed Richards that we see here as part of the Illuminati, and you know that's just that variant. We'll we'll get another MCU <sighs> version, but this is a variant of Reed Richards that we just haven't met yet, which is is interesting. If if they go that route with with trying to, you know, do a bit of fan service there, but it's all on the table now. Like I think the funny thing is, is that it's just all on the table, again after after everything that was Spider Man No Way Home. You fi- you figured that was going to be the peak. That was going to be their last big moment, and they're like, "No, we're going to start off with our very next movie, and it's going to blow your mind." Like we're not, we're just getting started. Yeah, no, and and you said it, you said it best in another episode. Like to have another film like event follow what was already a film event. It's like the sequel to that. Right. It, it very much is. And it's going to continue with that. I, I feel like that theme of fan service uh, payoffs and just bringing everything into the fold. Right. Like bringing everything in. So I think and I, I think, think it's I, I think this is what sets the next phase up. This is this is literally just saying that we are going to bring mutants in. This is how it happens. Um, because, you know, there's a very specific storyline in the comics where Wanda is the destruction of all mutants. And oh, she'll be the birth in this, of them. she'll be the right. She'll be the birth of them. She'll be the one to create them and create in a way. Maybe, you know, they've, they've given us the idea of uh, what did they call it? An infinite point in time or something like that. Right. So maybe that she maybe she learns how to create those. And she's saying, no, 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 I'm making this decision. You can't change it forever. And that's how my kids are going to become alive. And maybe we lose Wanda. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, this did I, Justin? Did I mention this movie is my top anticipated <laughs> movie of 2022? Did I tell you this yet? Oh my gosh! But yeah, it, we won't have to wait too long. May sixth, 2022, in theaters. It looks like it's it, everything is kind of getting back to a sense of normality. So it feels like that is very possible. Um, but yeah, that was that was the trailer that I feel like broke the internet last night uh, while the Super Bowl was going on, and I was one of those people that you described earlier. Nate could care very little about the game. I cared a lot about these trailers and commercials and all of this promo stuff. And guess what, guys? We got through it all. Um, and if you weren't tired of listening to us talk about things, you're going to listen to us a little bit more here <laughs> before we wrap things up. I thought we could spend quick second here and and share a little what's here for our listeners something you know you've enjoyed this past week that you've watched played read listened to just basically enjoyed uh something that you'd love our listeners to check out nate let's start with you mm, i'm gonna go with uh a movie that i actually uh watched uh, just tonight, actually, uh, before we did our recording, I, I watched Belfast. Obviously, the Oscars, as we've mentioned, are fast approaching. Nice. And uh, I am uh, I'm wanting to get through my my list of of nominees and and see these these movies whether they are actually great or if they're just touted as 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 great. Um, and I've heard some you know ideas and sort of uh, skepticism that like there weren't enough movies for the Oscars to to pick from which is why some of them got nominated for for best picture or, or some of the nominees got nominated but i got to say Belfast is 
incredible. It's it's absolutely it rem- I got so many vibes of Jojo Rabbit. If you enjoy Jojo Rabbit, you will enjoy Belfast. It's 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 I won't say that the comedy is there as much. It is a little it's bit more though. serious. Yeah. Yes, it's so heartfelt and 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 just like the oh my gosh, the, the grandparents yeah. um in this uh one of the the, the grandmother played by Jane uh, sorry. The grandmother played by Dame Judy Dench um of as course. well as the grandfather i'm I, i'm gonna bell i'm gonna <laughs> butcher his name um but it's syrian hins um both of them up for uh best supporting and i right now i'm at a place where i really believe it because i was just i was hearing my own grandparents uh who are from ireland like in them um i was watching with my mom and my mom and, and aunt actually experienced what they're going through in the movie right. uh, in Belfast. They were they were in uh, the summer of '69. They were actually in Belfast uh, visiting family wow. um, across Ireland, and it, it was just a really fascinating way to watch the movie because she was recognizing literally places and things and 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 you know uh, grocery stores and things like that from the movie uh, and recanting her experiences with it. So I, I really will just say if you're if you kind of look at the movie and you sort of say like. I know there's some people that kind of don't vibe with like black and white as much the way they use the black and white. And when they do use a sparse amount of color for, for the way that they narratively show you um, the main character's name is buddy. the little kid show him escaping his world through that color, through the, you know, the movies and plays that he watches. It's just absolutely gorgeously shot and well acted. And I can't say enough good things about it. And I'm, I'm stoked to talk about it when we get to uh, Oscar Oscar uh, predictions. Nice. That was that was one uh, that was towards the top of my list for the Oscar watch that uh, will be the next month or so of our lives. Um, but so I'm glad to hear that it uh, it held up it's or great. lived up to the reputation. Yeah, man. It just really speaks to community heritage. And to your point, the sort of docu style feel going black and white, you know, just accentuates the sort of real life aesthetic of the story and, and try to really ground it. So. Yeah, it is. It is a movie that uh, we will talk in further detail about uh, when we get to the Oscars. Uh, Kev, how about yourself? What what, what you get up to this week? Uh, you know what? I I didn't start anything new or check out any new movies. Uh, just sort of finished up or continued watching some shows I'd already been watching. So wrapped up the the latest season of Letter Kenny. Um, excited excited for the spinoff series Shorzy, which is coming out uh, at yeah. some point soon that'll fill the void until a newer season of letter Kenny comes out uh plugging along with peacemaker um had about three or four episodes to sort of catch up on that one so that's been uh, I've, I've been enjoying that I thought it was a lot of uh fun they've done some really interesting things with the story and uh it's gone places I certainly wasn't ex- expecting it to go and John Cena his performance in that last episode. It's Obviously, we're not going to spoil anything, but he is getting better. Yeah, and the, like, originally and the we kind of we cut, but we kind of. I think a lot of us. I think a lot of people sort of passed off John Cena as like he's a comedian. Like well, I don't know if he'll uh, be able to. I've fully been saying pull it he's off, better but... than The Rock for a couple years <laughs> yeah. now. Sure, better than The Rock. Sure, but like it's. I don't know, man. He just gave such a phenomenal performance that like I was like, how is this show about Peacemaker getting to me? Like, well, this? I get. I get what you're saying though, Nate. He has this sort of like you know silly guy nature to his characters that he seems to always imply and that's yeah. very that's re- very prevalent in his character of a peacemaker but you know to see the the emotional range uh oh, that yeah. he seems to be getting into with this character it's killing him it's outstanding so you know it's it's definitely been the 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 hook for me as well as as well as the entire cast um you know 
Jennifer Holland is is really shaping up to be an absolute delight of a yep. character. I also think, though, again, we'll talk about it later, but there might be missing some marks on some characters, but I'm hoping that the reason why is because they're inevitably leading towards what will be a season two uh, where maybe that character becomes more important. Sure. Uh, and I will say uh, I won't spend too much time on it because uh, you guys talked about it quite a bit last week, but I I took the plunge and uh, we watched the first season of Dave. Um and yes. I and I really really enjoyed it. So uh, let's go. go and check that one out, guys. Because uh, it's so now I think all three of us have given our endorsement here. So yeah, man, three get up to, approved. You get into milking? Any any milking? Oh, there's there is I, we we oh, definitely guys, experienced the milking. Yes. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Uh, for myself, went a little bit odd with my watch. Yeah, I, I actually. Uh, I hit up a game thanks to uh, a Twitch streamer I know, Nate Plays Games. Uh, oh, who's you might that? have heard of him. Oh. Uh, yeah, he was on his stream playing this game, Ollie Ollie World, on uh, Nintendo Switch, and it has literally consumed my life. I, I absolutely love this game. Uh, I fell in love with it from a design look sort of feel and the animation style. Again, I'm, I'm very tuned into some of the visual that really jumps out at me and makes me want to play these games. The game's fun. It's it's easy-ish, but it's, you know, it's it's a side-scrolling skate game. Uh, it's so it's so beautiful. The color palette, the world that it builds with its its graphics and its its art style, just it's so it's immersive for for what it is. It it's really really uh, a lots of fun and the personalization. I love being able to personalize my character and stuff like that. So yeah, I, your I character looks fun. just the like you. It's hilarious. And the he music looks just like you. <laughs> the music <laughs> too, like man. The music yeah, is a vibe, slaps. and I I love it. Like it's it's just like contemporary skate music you know it's like that sometimes lo-fi but hip-hop and then it just it has such range so so much fun so much fun if you have a switch i think it's on various systems right it's on switch it's on xbox it's on playstation oh, so you can play uh, it's it on... on windows you can play yeah. it on pretty much everything but yeah I'm... so yeah. if you got any system play it because it is it's tons of fun yeah, and it looks it a lot of vibes of Adventure Time. Yes, right. And if you're you. into, into your, if you're yes. into animation, and the characters honestly are just as endearing yeah. as the characters in in Adventure Time, and you yeah. you fall in love with their each individual one has their very specific ways about talking and doing things. It's it's such a delightful game. Well, we, you know, we we did the the Cuphead uh, show, and we we talked about that a game going into you know episodic series. I could see something like that oh. from this. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and it would be a lot of fun. So I think that they could do something like that, and it, it and it could really have some legs to kind of build out the world a little bit more. And I, I don't want to go too long on this, but I'll quickly say if you have played the Ollie Ollie games in the past, if you had a, a Vita, which is kind of where they they sort of premiered and then went onto the the consoles. Ali Ali 1 and Ali Ali 2 are great, phenomenal games that still deserve to be checked out, but they are nowhere near as accessible as this game. Yeah. Justin, you said it was it was challenging, and it does it can get very challenging. Yeah, it's just but doing it, tricks. Yeah, but it's not punishing though. No, it doesn't no. punish you. Where the old games would you would be knocked out if you make a, a slight wrong uh, wrong landing. Um, this one you can kind of you can slap down on the stairs and you'll still be okay. Yes, you know what I mean. I, I, and what I like about it too is that because it is a course and you have to 
you know, try to nail certain sort of tricks and, you know, points and so on and so forth. You know, it's just ammo for you to go back and try doing doing it better each time. And, I, and, and that's what I like about it. I can still complete it, but I can still go back and try to beat my own score. So tons so. of fun. Definitely check it out. All right, guys, that is it for this week in Geek. Thanks for tuning in wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and leave us a glowing review. We always appreciate the love. And you can always reach out to us. Ask us any questions about the news, trailers shared today, or anything that we cover in general. To do so, well, you can reach out to us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. But if that feels like you're being sucked into a big dark cloud, well, you can oh, no. reach out to us on Twitter at GeekcentricYT or on Instagram at WeAreGeekcentric. Keep in mind, we also have a ton of other episodes covering a variety of other content. New content always coming out, such as our latest review, as mentioned, for the animated Netflix series for the Cuphead show. Plus, we have our now concluded watch club for the Book of Boba Fett with all episodes out now for you to listen to. And also, while some think the Oscars aren't worth it, we think... It totally is, which is why later down the road we will have our annual Oscar coverage episode where we predict who will win and we will follow up with an episode seeing who who was right, who got all that. Plus, we have a ton of reviews on the way uh, with Uncharted coming out at the end of this week, Batman towards the end of the month. Uh, maybe we do something with Peacemaker. I don't know. We got to talk. But until then, guys, Kev, Nate, thanks for joining me for this supersized Super Bowl episode of This Week in Geek. And as we say, love ya. Guys, with mandates dropping and restrictions being lowered, please, please, please get home safe. Peace. <laughs>